Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> well, hello there. So delighted to see you return to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and today we've got an interesting item to take a look at. If you'll come over here, I've taken the liberty of pulling out this uh, small display case. Uh, as we open it up, you can look inside and see that it is a collection of old ammunition. Now we have various types of ammunition throughout the centuries and the years. If you'll take a look, it goes from the uh, musket balls of the early days of firearms. There's some from uh, cap and ball pistols from the 1800s. Two more modern munitions with the brass cartridge casing. But the one thing you'll notice is that these ammunition are not a lead ammunition. If you'll take a closer look, you'll find that these are silver. Silver bullets, if you will. And therein lies the heart of today's episode of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. So let's pull out the kinetoscope and take a look at the new Netflix film, Viking Wolf. So Viking Wolf is a new movie out on Netflix. And with a name like Viking Wolf, I was like, uh, yes, please. I didn't even have to watch the trailer, although I did watch the trailer. And I thought, okay, you know, you had me at Viking Wolf. When I saw the trail, I'm like, oh, this this could be pretty good. It might not, but it could be pretty good. So I was I was invested in this right off the bat because, like I said, with a name like Viking Wolf or in the original Norway translation, Viking Ulven, this seemed like a really interesting idea. And, of course, they kind of promoted this movie as Norway's first werewolf movie. This is directed and written by Stig Svensson, who is not a director or writer. I'm 100% familiar with, but there are some some actors you may have seen, uh, one actress in particular that you may have seen in another quite popular horror movie. We'll talk about that as we get a little closer into the characters uh, that we're, we're going to talk about in this movie. But the basic premise of this movie is that this teenager and her family move to this new town, and she's kind of an outsider, and she's hanging out with some new friends that she's made we kind of we don't get to see her introduced to all this people and all the all the things going on in the towns we don't get to see her make friends she's already kind of made some friends they've invited her to this party but she's still a little bit of an outsider considered the weirdo uh, which i found that is kind of a thing in a lot of these foreign films is that when there's somebody new that the kids all around that are already established in the town consider the new person a weirdo i i don't know if it's that something that's lost in translation or if it, that's just a a way that they talk in in some of these foreign lands because that's not something we would say here i mean there are people that that move to a new town that are weirdos but uh but there's just so many other colorful ways to describe somebody that we want to keep uh, at, at arm's distance because we're comfortable with what we know 
in our sheltered worlds that we've created. But they're at this party, these teenagers, and and our main character, Tala, which we'll get into in a little bit, uh, she witnesses an attack. No one's really sure whether it's a, a person or an animal, but uh, when she, she rushes down to, to kind of help out, she is attacked as well and ends up with a wound on her shoulder. And things start to get crazy from there in regards to what's going on with her, in regards to what attacked this this friend of hers. Well, not really a friend, but again, something we'll get into here briefly. But that really is kind of the springboard of this movie, investigating who attacked these teenagers and what is going on with Tala and, and her relationship with, with her mom is, is a big part of this as well. So I want to warn you, if if you haven't watched Viking Wolf yet on Netflix, go check it out because there are going to be a lot of spoilers. I, I really can't talk about this without talking about it. Uh, and that's really what this is. Not so much of a review as it is me just talking about the movie and, and my thoughts on it and, and what went down and whether I think it's worth watching or not. Uh, if you've already watched it, uh, it's a little too late for that. But maybe if you're on the fence and you don't care about spoilers, uh, it might, uh, you know, I might give you some some idea of what you should be expecting. But if you don't want any spoilers for this movie, go watch Viking Wolf and then come back, listen to the podcast, and maybe uh, see if we're on the same wavelength as far as what we thought of the movie. But let's talk about the cast and kind of their place in the story. And our main character, Tallaberg, is played by Ellie Rhiannon Mueller Osborne. Uh, not an actress I'm 100% familiar with, but uh, I thought she did a pretty good job. I don't know as if the writing helped anything in this whole movie. Uh, she seemed to be, do a good job. There again, I, I try to watch part of the movie or, or some of the movie in the original language. And then I listen to the movie, uh, you know, kind of flip-flop back and forth, depending on how quick the scene is going and how much dialogue is going on. If it's a slower scene and I can really pay attention to what's going on, but read the uh, subtitles, then I'll listen to it in the original language. If it's something, lots of action, lots of lots of talking back and forth, I try to watch those scenes with the overdubs just because I, I don't want to miss things on the screen because I'm distracted trying to read subtitles. But just from watching what I did watch of this movie in the original language, uh, the acting was okay. It wasn't great. Uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, but it seemed okay. And the one thing that did really impress me is that the the voice actors that they got to do the overdubbing were were better than usual for Netflix. <laughs> At least they had some actors that that had a Norwegian accent and actually made the characters sound like they were from Norway. It didn't sound like you know some kid from Boise, Idaho, voicing Tala. It sounded like somebody that was from that area only speaking English. So I did appreciate that. But the Tullerberg character, she is kind of a mystery and not in a good way because you really don't learn. You learn just enough about her, but you have all these questions that have no answers because they never really took the time to the, develop the character beyond that. We thrust into this world that she is thrust into. Uh, her mother and her family came from Oslo and her, her mother's a cop. Right off the bat in the party, you know, when when the bully characters are all saying she's a weird 
weirdo and and oh did you did you kill somebody there's kind of this this myth going around town that she killed somebody and she admits that she killed somebody and her father's not in the picture she has a stepfather so you really don't know if if he's the one she killed uh, there's never really anything brought up about it after that in so much as the one main bully character says at one point when Tala's walking off to to find out where this guy she came to see and and his ex-girlfriend are he says are you going to kill somebody and and she says i'm going to kill you and i'm like well that's not foreshadowing but Tala is a character that you want to feel sorry for right off the bat because she's the new girl. Uh, she's the girl that's kind of the outcast because she doesn't fit in with the the cliques that are already established here. She's met this one guy that she kind of likes and he kind of likes her. But you never really get a chance to see any of these relationships develop. She has a relationship with her mom that is strained. It's almost like the typical teenage girl and mother uh, strained relationship that we've seen a billion times in, in movies and sometimes done better sometimes done worse this was just it, it felt like I've seen these I've seen this relationship before and I, I really don't need to know any more about it because uh, she's just the teenage girl leave me alone mom it's just that generic mother-daughter relationship where the mother wants to know what's wrong and the teenager is just this angry teen for no particular reason. And I just didn't really care about that relationship. There was there was no reason for me to care about the relationship between Tala and, and her mother Liv. But one of the probably best scenes in this movie it involved Tala, and it, it did involve that party where this, this guy that she likes is going off to talk with his ex-girlfriend, and she sees them talking, and it's kind of heated, and she looks away, and next thing you know, she hears a scream. She goes down to help, and something has attacked this girl, Ellie. And Tala's trying to help her, and then all of a sudden she gets attacked and gets, you know, bitten on her shoulder. And and then next thing you know, something is dragging Ellie into the woods. And that's probably one of the in a movie that is a werewolf movie, it's supposed to be a horror movie, it's supposed to be really scary. There weren't a lot of scares. That scene probably was one of the more uh, unsettling scenes because scenes like that where you don't see what is attacking her i mean you know this is a werewolf movie so you know it's the werewolf it's no big surprise there but it was one of those scenes where yeah you see somebody being drugged into the woods by some unknown uh that's that's always kind of creepy was it as scary as it could have been I, I don't think so. And then the rest of the movie is really Tala kind of dealing with the fact that she is, she has this bite mark on her. She's starting to hallucinate. She's starting to have these weird dreams where she's gradually more and more covered in blood. Uh, she's having these uh, visions and these hallucinations of seeing Ellie, who they find dead later, which was actually, you know, some of the prosthetics and some of the uh, special effects on the corpses that we see in this were actually really well done and looked really creepy and gross. For a movie that really didn't cash in on the gore like it could have, uh, some of those corpse 
bodies that we we find are actually quite gruesome and, and quite interesting to look at. But she's having these hallucinations of Ellie, and it just made me think of American Werewolf in London, where Jack's attacked by a werewolf in the moors and killed. David is is bitten and is going to turn into the werewolf, and then he starts having these, uh, whether it's hallucinations, whether it is uh, an apparition, but he starts having these visions of Jack. Uh, which was fantastically done in American Werewolf in London. This was just done so half-hearted and half-assed that it didn't really have that effect on this movie that the relationship, post-mortem relationship between David and Jack had in American Werewolf in London. And and that was another thing. I really felt like this movie tried to rip off different things like American Werewolf in London. It almost felt like it was ripping off in some regards, some vibes, some, uh, some shots and looks of the Tala character kind of ripping off ginger snaps. Now, granted, somebody's ripoff is another person's homage, so I won't get into that, but I really caught a lot of a lot of things that felt like, oh, that's American Werewolf in London. Oh, that's that right there, that's ginger snaps. And I felt this movie relied a little too much on how they thought werewolf movies are supposed to go and relied on trying to embody other werewolf movies that have come before it instead of just doing its own thing and being its own movie and and trying at least trying even though the the budget i'm sure wasn't great uh, trying to break new ground do something different but yeah for the rest of this movie it's essentially the story of tala getting closer and closer to this transformation and the the rest of the town her mother live trying to hunt down the the wolf the werewolf that killed ellie and uh attacked tala uh i mean of course they think it's just a wolf and not a werewolf until the old werewolf hunter shows up the prototypical old werewolf hunter that i mean we see in just about any sort of monster lore movie the old guy that's been hunting the dr loomis character been hunting this creature for years and he's missing an arm he's probably lost it in battle and he comes up to tell Liv, the mother, which we'll talk about her in a second, uh, that this is a werewolf she's dealing with and quite conveniently uh, dropping off a box of silver bullets for her. And then we don't see him or barely see him again until probably one of the most inconvenient times possible in this movie later on. Now, the mother in this is the other real kind of main character in this is uh, Liv Berg, played by Liv Mjolnis. And you may remember her. She was in Midsommar. She played Ula. So, you know, she's she's done something before that you you may have seen a lot of these actors and actresses. You know, they're, they're Norwegian actresses and actresses. So, uh, you know, not very familiar with a lot of them. But she is a cop. Her and her family moved to this new town called Nebo. And they really kind of allude to uh, her getting a different job, uh, the fact that maybe uh, it had something to do with uh, Tala's father, uh, him not being in the picture anymore, Tala murdering somebody, who knows? Uh, they never really dive into that. Uh, and as much as Liv and Tala have this strained relationship, they never really dive into what makes this relationship strained. So, I ultimately don't care about the strained relationship. But there again, I, I liked the performance by Liv Mionis, although it wasn't great. There were some scenes where I expected a little more emotion. 
And it wasn't even because, you know, I was just happened to be listening to the English overdubs. It just facially or, or her body language just didn't express the emotion that I thought a person would need in that situation or the person would express in that situation. And she's just kind of, it almost feels like this character is just kind of going through the motions as the story goes along, just kind of along for the ride and being pulled here and pulled there and never really affecting the story at all. Now, there is one other character, a younger sister, younger sister Tatala. Uh, I believe Jenny is her name. But I actually, this was probably the more interesting character that they just completely underutilized uh, because Jenny is deaf. And, you know, they, they pretty much use that only to provide a source of sympathy uh, that Tala would uh, maybe feel uh, in wolf form that she might remember her sister, but they really uh, could have played on the fact that this this character is deaf and can't hear anything. Uh, they use this character in in some of the scenes in the at the end that are supposed to build tension and supposed to scare you, but they just they really miss the mark on this because there are a lot of movies out, especially lately. Uh, a Quiet Place is probably one of the most uh, notable a Quiet Place and A Quiet Place 2 where you use uh, a deaf character and you put the audience in the head of that deaf character and not being able to hear things and and looking around and not being able to hear you know what might be lurking right behind you and they could have done that to great effect to create some really uh, tense and, and scary moments but they just uh, dropped the ball completely on that character they made the character deaf uh, just so they could have somebody doing sign language that seems to be the only reason that character was deaf uh, because it really had no bearing on the character had no bearing on the character's relationship with Tala when she's a wolf and it just didn't matter and it really seemed like a missed opportunity on this and then there was another character event of course somebody uh, happens to know the foremost expert on predators in Norway and they, they got in contact with them to find out about this this beast that they have roaming the countryside killing people and of course that character sends a veterinarian that, that they happen to know and this veterinarian comes and really all it does is play with the the lore of oh this is a wolf even though the claw they find is much bigger than a, a normal wolf. Between this character, the veterinarian, and the Lars character, the, the werewolf hunter, you get a bit of the lore about what's going on with this wolf and this werewolf. But ultimately, this movie plays out pretty predictably uh, without a ton of scares. Like I said, there's there's there are some moments, some tense moments and some creepy moments, some moments that kind of make you cringe a little bit in a, in a good way, in a scared way. Because like I said, the, the moment where Ellie is pulled away, dragged away was, I think, effective. There was a scene in this old abandoned mine where they actually play on some tension there and it works for the most part. It could have been done a lot better. Uh, this is the scene where we really first start to see the wolf. And that's the one of the things I think they did well to begin with is that they didn't show you the wolf right away. You got flashes, you got snarls and growls, but you didn't see the wolf. It wasn't until this uh, mine scene that you actually got to see the wolf in all its glory. And and I I will say that the the creature design on the wolf was 
was decent. I mean, it wasn't anything groundbreaking, but it, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad creature design. Uh, and the CG wasn't horrible. It wasn't great, but, uh, you know, uh, the CG was was good enough that it didn't quite take me out of the movie. So, so I was okay with that. And I, I want to say there was... Uh, moments between uh, CG and maybe some some practical effects, some practical puppeteering uh, that, you know, y- you can tell which is which. But it wasn't bad for the most part. The CG werewolf was probably the least of the sins of this movie. But ultimately, this, this initial werewolf gets killed. And then we start, start to see Tala. Things are going on with her. And she starts to make this transformation. And she ends up killing uh the guy she likes and there's kind of i don't think it's meant to be funny but a a scene where she comes back after killing him and she's probably apparently eaten him and and she pukes up her boyfriend or, or whatever he is her guy friend but it's not until she decides to run away for no particular reason uh, she's on a bus and she starts to make the transformation. This is really the first and, and only werewolf transformation we get to see in this movie, which it used, I, I have to imagine, some CG enhancing and, and some practical uh, effects makeup, which actually, it, it wasn't horrible. Again, not groundbreaking. They didn't do anything that you haven't seen in a lot of other werewolf movies, but it was good enough that, that I enjoyed that. You didn't really get to see the full transformation though which I, I really thought would have been cool to see yet only got little bits of it and much like a lot of the gore uh, a lot of the kills uh, they cut away way too soon so you don't really get a lot of the the gore and things that could have made this uh, leaned into the horror and the gore aspect of horror a little more and in this you you miss the whole transformation into a wolf that it is kind of like the cornerstone of a werewolf movie is seeing that werewolf transformation. But in this bus scene uh, where she makes the transformation on the bus, uh, we don't even see any carnage in that. We see the aftermath of it. We see people running away, which I was disappointed because when I saw she was transforming into a wolf on this bus, I'm thinking the bus scene in the the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie on Netflix. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be a bloodbath. And there again, like I said, they cut away. And all you see is the aftermath. There's people running away. And Liv finds that she's chasing a wolf, another wolf. And I can't remember exactly where along the way. Liv just divines out of nowhere that this is her daughter. Maybe because she knows her daughter's been acting weird. But there's really nothing... She knows she has the bite mark on her shoulder, so maybe she puts two and two together, but there really is no kind of like aha moment. It's just out of the blue that this werewolf is my daughter. And and there again, it's just kind of like, okay, uh, next scene, please. They just, it was, there was much ado about nothing. The next really big scene we get is outside of this bar where these uh, these people are all coming out because there's been a vehicle crash and and the werewolf shows up there if you saw the movie you know how it all plays out if you haven't seen the movie check it out uh but and that's probably the biggest werewolf attack scene we get because you do get to see some attacks with the amount of people that were running out of this bar to see what's going on and this werewolf showing up i expected more but got less and and that was disappointing 
And this is the first scene where you see the interaction of werewolf Tala and her younger sister, Jenny. And you get that sense that Jenny's in peril, but Tala recognizes her to a degree and doesn't attack right away. Liv, Jenny, and the veterinarian hole up in this like almost abandoned storefront. And the werewolf's right outside. And part of one of the most ridiculous things is the werewolf hunter Lars just ramming the front of the building. And I'm like, why would you do that? You're, there's obviously people hiding in there. And you just busted open the door for this werewolf to get in. It was, it was just kind of ridiculous. And essentially, it only happened just so the werewolf could get in. But the good guys prevail because the veterinarian has uh, some uh, tranquilizers to take down an elephant and they take down this werewolf and then it fades to another scene where they have werewolf Tala sedated they've got like an ivy so they're keeping a a constant sedation on this and you see Liv uh, she's got silver bullets that the werewolf hunter gave her and she's going to shoot her daughter her werewolf daughter in the head and kill her and end the curse or whatever And then again, it fades to black and you don't hear a gunshot. And then we get that final scene where Liv has come home. Uh, There's a picture of her daughter, Tala, by the bed. And she sets a silver bullet down there, which is kind of supposed to be an ambiguous end. Maybe she shot her daughter and this is just one of the extra silver bullets she had that she puts there to remind her of her daughter. uh, Or the fact that she killed her daughter with a silver bullet. Or it could be the silver bullet that she intended to kill her daughter with and didn't and who knows did she let her free to roam the countryside do they have her in a constant state of sedation do they have her caged up until they can find some sort of cure you don't really know and the sad thing about this movie is i don't really care so ultimately i really wanted to like this movie viking wolf But ultimately, it was a bit of a letdown. With a name like Viking Wolf, I'm expecting something grand. And and you do get that at the beginning. I I didn't talk about this to start this off on purpose because I wanted to save it for the end here. You know, it's called Viking Wolf. And they set up a really cool lore that actually seemed more interesting than the the movie we got where you go back hundreds of years to these Vikings and they're raiding and pillaging and they've come to a monastery and they've been told there's this door that's locked, but don't go in there. Please don't go in there. They're begging them not to go in there. And of course, you tell Vikings don't do something, they're going to do it, damn it. And they break in and the leader of the Vikings comes out with this dog. And you get kind of the overlay translation from the uh, Nordic uh, words they have up on the screen that uh, they sailed back to Norway and almost kind of like Dracula coming to the shores of England uh, in the boat and, and he rolled up and everyone's dead on the boat except for Dracula. But this boat rolls up into, onto the shores of Norway and everybody is dead except for this, this wolf this tiny wolf pup 
and it jumps off the boat and onto the shore and into the the forests of Norway and essentially it says that uh, these these Vikings unleashed a hellhound on the country now to me that was fascinating and and I really liked the look of all that it, it looked really cool I wanted to see that movie I wanted to see a period piece with Vikings and a werewolf Vikings taking on a werewolf I think that would have been interesting I think it would have been more interesting than the story that we got because the fact that he's a Viking wolf or it's a Viking wolf uh, it really had no bearing. The, the name is really kind of misleading as to the kind of movie you're going to get. To me, Viking Wolf was essentially that short prologue film that we got. And the rest of the movie is some other movie that is loosely related to, to the very first uh, little short that we got. But yeah, I, I really just, I, I wanted to like this movie more than I did. And for an hour and 37 minutes, I, I just felt like I didn't know anything about the characters uh, that make me care about the characters. Liv and Tala primarily. Even the young daughter, Jenny. I wanted I wanted the relationships built there a little more. So there was a little more impact at the end between Tala and Jenny. Those those scenes. I wanted them to, to play more off the fact that the Jenny character is deaf. And they could have really built some, some really scary scenes around that. Now that's not to say that there wasn't anything to like about this. I thought the CG was decent. I thought the gore, while they stopped short of where they could have gone with this, the gore was was okay. The werewolf transformation effects, for what little we got to see of it that one time, was enjoyable. They're not breaking any new ground here with any of this. Uh, the acting was okay. I didn't mind that. I didn't even mind the basic story of this. I just think where this, this movie failed was in the character building and the relationship building of these characters. They needed, like, I, I don't know, maybe like 10 more minutes to just kind of flesh out some of these relationships to make me care about them. Or at least the time that they use to build these relationships in the movie. Do a better job at that. I, I really put that on the writing. Maybe you don't need another 10 minutes if you just make use of the time that you did have uh, a little better than they actually did. So I don't know. I mean, I think at the end of the day when you watch this movie... Uh, you're probably not going to hate it. I didn't hate it, but when I was finished with it, I was like, okay, uh, what's next? I just didn't really care about it. I didn't really have any strong feelings about it either way. And uh, to me, that is horrible for a movie to just not, you know, it, it's one thing if you really hate a movie and people just get real visceral about it and they're just, uh, I hate this movie because this, 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 and then you get the people that really love it and they're going head to head about it. At least there's some emotion there. But this, I just, I, I just didn't care because they didn't give me anything to care about. And I really wanted to care about this movie because I thought it was a cool idea. The name in itself, uh, Viking Wolf, seemed interesting. Uh, unfortunately, the only interesting thing about this movie was the first few minutes with that prologue. And after that, I just, I really didn't care one way or another with the rest of the hour and 30 plus minutes of it. But don't take my word for it. Check it out for yourself. I didn't care for Viking Wolf. It just, like I said, it underwhelmed me and it was very lackluster given the expectation I had just with such a cool name. But you may see it different. You may love it. You may agree with me. But uh, like I said, don't take my word for it. Go check it out for yourself. Viking Wolf, it's out now on Netflix. So uh, 
you know, give it a watch. See what you think. Maybe maybe you'll enjoy it more than I did. So I want to thank everyone for taking the time to listen to my thoughts about the new Netflix film, Viking Wolf. You can find out more about what's going on with Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop on our Facebook page. Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We're always posting trailers to the latest movies and series out. We're always uh, adding different articles that we find all over the internet about horror, fantasy, and science fiction. I like to add my two cents as well. Uh, check us out on Instagram and no matter where you listen to this podcast, please subscribe to it, like it, follow it, download it, whatever you have to do. Download the episodes, share them with your friends, family, anyone that you know that loves horror, fantasy, and science fiction. And please leave a review five stars. would be awesome. But whatever review you leave, we do appreciate that. So until next time. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha!